Anxiety sure is running high right now, which is why I've marked 50% off the safe empowerment system for social and generalized anxiety over at quietbegins.com. Use the coupon code BRAIN50 and save today. Quietbegins.com. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I am here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about in this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. almost got stuck on psychological... (laughs) (laughs) Today, I want to address something that is uh, probably very timely, and that is uh, the death of people in our lives, people when they pass on, and uh, how do we deal with it, especially when we don't have closure, when we haven't reconciled, and uh, we have feelings about it. You know, I've had people die in my life that I was very fortunate to be able to connect with before they died, you know, my dad, I was estranged from my dad for about 10 years, never spoke to him all that time. I didn't call him. He didn't call me. It's not like we were angry with each other. We just never connected. And there was a reason. I mean, there was a time that uh, my dad was pulling some stuff that I didn't like, and I didn't, I didn't want to be associated with him. So I distanced myself. But, um, you know, after 10 years, I thought I've, had enough personal growth and development, maybe I should go out there and handle myself and keep my boundaries, you know, honor my boundaries with him uh, so that he doesn't affect me like he used to. And I thought about doing it and I continued to think about doing it, but I never reached out. And then one day my, my brother calls and he says, dad has cancer. And I'm thinking, okay, uh, that's sad. You know, I, I was affected, but You know, what does that mean? He just got cancer. Is he going to die? And he says, well, no, he's in the hospital and it's probably not going to be a good result. And so now this was it. This was the time I had to take it seriously. I had to decide that I need to reconcile and at least patch things up. Whatever is going on between us, we got to fix it and at least connect again. And I can show up to my dad as my new and improved self that wouldn't necessarily have the same fears, like the fear of confrontation, the fear of expressing myself. I wouldn't have the same worries and I could show up to him and just be honest with him. And if he starts to get out of line, I could say, dad, you need to back off because after you work on yourself and you work on your personal development and you work on telling people what your boundaries are, or at least expressing to them what's acceptable and what's not, then you should be able to show up in their life and honor yourself in this way so that they don't break down your new and improved self. You should be able to. (laughs) You don't always succeed, but you should be able to. I look at family as the final frontier of personal growth and development because they've known you longer than almost anyone uh, pretty much all your life, most of them. They've known you since you were born. And that means they know a version of you that they are comfortable knowing, even if they don't like you. They're comfortable knowing this version of you and they don't want to know a different version of you. And a lot of them will continue to treat you as if you are that same version of you that you were when you were younger. And because of that, a lot of families might not get along Because someone who goes out into the world and tries to improve themselves and tries to heal from old traumas and tries to get rid of their PTSD from either family or just old stuff, then they run into family again. And now family is, like I said, that final frontier 
the biggest challenge for you because they're probably going to show up in the same way they used to. And if you didn't get along before, this new and improved self is going to be it's going to be harder for you to keep this new and improved self at the forefront and running the show. What tends to happen in a lot of cases is that the fearful maybe inner child kicks in and says, oh, crap, it's better just to be who I was around them because at least we didn't get into an argument or at least there's no confrontation or at least it's keeping the peace. So this inner child stuff comes up, the stuff that we really haven't let go of yet, and it's kind of our fallback just in case the toxicity gets too great and we don't want to deal with it or are afraid to deal with it, and then our old behavior kicks in. And I've heard this from many people, probably you, you've probably dealt with this yourself, where you had to face someone and now your old behavior kicks in instead of the new behavior that you felt good about and you've done a lot of work on, yet where is it now? <laughs> We're in front of someone that we could use this behavior, but where is it now? It tends to go away. And so uh, coming back to what I was saying, my dad developed bone cancer uh, many years ago and my brother called and said you know dad's in the hospital so you might want to come and visit and I thought this is it this is the time I need to come and visit and make peace and just get to know my dad from a new me from my new self my new and improved place and I did I bought a plane ticket went to visit him and yes he was in the hospital and I got along with my dad better than ever I mean, I used to get along with my dad fine, but like I said, he was pulling some shenanigans I didn't like, but I got along with him better than ever because I felt good about myself and no one was going to take me down a notch. I felt good in myself. I was proud of myself and I felt good honoring myself. And I even went in uh, the first time I saw him again and in those few days that we talked, I even told myself, you know what, if he starts to pull something, I will stand up for myself and, I'll, and I will say, Dad, you need to back off because that's inappropriate or that's disrespectful. I was ready to say almost anything to show myself compassion, to show myself respect, to keep my integrity, to keep my dignity, and I was willing to stand up for myself in those moments. And so I felt really good going into the conversation knowing it could go south but deciding it wasn't going to. And that's a big decision because when you make it, you honor it. I mean, there's no question. You just honor it because you are that new person. You aren't that old person. You don't let the scared inner child come out and then take over. You just don't do it because you are that new person. I mean, you just have to set that in stone. And so that's what I did. It was still challenging. Not saying it's easy, but... I did that. I set it in stone and then we met and we talked and we laughed and we had a great time and he never crossed the line. He never did his old behaviors and I got to know him again from a new place and I got to see him differently. I got to see him a lot differently because I was different. So these new eyes were seeing this person and realizing many things. One of them, I didn't know he was so grumpy. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to put him down, but he was just a grumpy guy. He gave the nurses a hard time. And I was listening to him thinking, wow, this is really who he always was. But I never saw it and I never heard it before because he's just been my dad this whole time. So I never thought about it. But here he was just being grumpy with all these people. And I thought, well, I guess this is how he's always been. Uh, not that he's only been grumpy, but... This is something I remember him doing and being, but I, I never thought it was a bad thing. I never thought it was a grumpy thing until I saw it with a fresh pair of eyes. So that was interesting. And at the same time, he was in the hospital. Of course, people are going to be grumpy, but he was in good spirits. Otherwise, he was in good spirits. So I got to see sides of him that I didn't necessarily recognize before. And that was great. To be able to recognize that, even if I didn't really like some of the sides I saw of him, it was still neat because I felt good in myself and I felt more like 
uh, unconditionally loving toward him. I really felt like I could love him in a way that was more unconditional and not so stuck on old criteria. So I didn't want to hold him up to standards that I used to have. I wanted to approach him as if he were a new person to me, which he was. When you show up as a new person and you see someone in a way from this new perspective, they are essentially a new person. And it's helpful because then you get to assess how you're going to show up and how you're going to respond to their behaviors. And you get to figure out what you need to work on in yourself if you are affected by their behaviors or what you need to do, how you need to respond or react to them if they start doing bad behaviors. It can be very helpful to be confident in what you've learned and how you've grown and being willing to go through the final frontier of family as your personal growth challenge because it can show you a lot. You'll learn so much and sometimes you'll fail. That's probably a strong way to put it, but sometimes you'll fail. Sometimes you'll show up as this new and improved version and then suddenly you're whittled down to that scared inner child again and you just want to get through the family gathering or whatever it is. So coming back again, I saw my dad and I got to spend a few days with him, rekindled the relationship. Um, we really connected and I love the feeling of being able to tell myself, you know, it's been 10 years. This is the time to do it. I probably shouldn't have waited this long. Correct. Yes, I did tell myself that because here he is almost on his deathbed. I mean, he wasn't at the time, but it felt like he was. It felt like this is the last time I was going to see him. So it was very sad in that way. And at the same time, I felt so good being able to rekindle and reconnect with him from this new place, from the new person I became. And him seeing me, he loved seeing me. He was really happy that I showed up. And of course, reconnecting with him was an amazing experience. But after a few days, I left. I didn't know what else I could do. He was alive. He was kicking. And he was being let out of the hospital very soon. And uh, I went home, and I think I was in a Panera Bread, and I got a phone call from him. And he sounded better than ever. He sounded so happy. He said, you know what? I feel so good. You know, I, I think I have beaten this. I think everything is going to be great. And um, I can't wait to connect with you again. And I want to show you this car that I've been looking at. And he was just sharing all this stuff. And we just had the greatest conversation on the phone, a better conversation than I've ever had with him on any phone call that I've ever had. And even while we were having this great conversation, I knew for some reason, I just knew in the back of my mind, this would be the very last conversation with my dad that I'd ever have. And that really hit me, but not, it wasn't sad. I mean, it was, but it wasn't because I got a chance to talk to him. I had this opportunity to talk to him. And so I took advantage of it. And I stayed on the phone as long as he wanted to. And I just kept talking about the subjects that he brought up. And I was acting as if we were absolutely going to reconnect again. But I just knew inside this was it. Something told me this was the last time. And I just decided that I was going to uh, not think about that and talk to him for as long as I could. And then we said goodbye. And that was the last time I talked with him. A few days later, my brother called and said they're taking him to hospice. At the time, I didn't even know what hospice was. I thought it was another hospital facility. But now I know what hospice is. And if I had known, I think I might have flown back down. So there might be some regret there. But hospice, if you don't know, is a place they take you to take care of you before you die. It is basically the last stop, at least in the U.S. I don't know how it is for other places, but it is the last stop before you die. And there are very kind people that take care of you and also make your death as painless as possible. So uh, my brother said they took him into hospice. And again, I wasn't sure what that meant, but I kind of knew that it was not good. Um, and then a few days later, I got that phone call. I don't know how long it was, maybe a couple of days that he died. 
So I got a chance, you know. I look at the events that occurred, and I'm so grateful I got that chance. Anything could have happened. He could have died before I ever got a chance to talk to him or reconnect. But for some reason, the universe lined this stuff up. And my brother, of course, you know, he called me out of the blue and said, this is what was happening. And I had the opportunity, I had the money to fly down there and say my goodbyes or at least say hello, say my hellos, and then say my goodbyes in a sense that uh, I knew that this would probably be the last time we connected. And then, of course, the phone call a little bit later and then his death a little bit later. And then uh, reflecting on that afterward. And what's interesting about all of this is that I had an opportunity that not many people have. That's one thing that's interesting. Another interesting thing is that during that 10 years, I actually decided to accept that he already died. That doesn't mean I was eliminating him from my life. That didn't mean I was going to never try to see him again. I just wanted to try on what it would be like and what I would feel if he died. And that's what I did. I visualized it happening. I visualized myself going to his funeral. And it was painful. It was hard. But I went through that process in my mind, as hard as it was, just to feel what it would be like for when he did die. I was, it's almost a preparation. I was getting a feel for what it would be like when he did die. And I went through that process. And after the process, I imagined myself grieving for days or weeks and just missing him. And after a few weeks of doing this, just thinking that he was still dead, I came to an acceptance that he passed. It's strange. It might be a little morbid, but this is the exercise I did. I went through all of that. And when I did that, something released in me. The attachment to his life released. And I felt okay with it after that. The acceptance of the death, even though it was imagined, helped me release my attachment to his life. I'm not sure how to explain it any better than that, but I realized the impact of that visualization and what it had on me only after he really died. Because when I found out the news that he was gone, I wasn't sad. I mean, it was sad. I did feel things, but I didn't go into the normal grieving that somebody might do if they found out that someone they love just died. And I found it strange. I thought, am I a bad son? Did I not love him as much as I thought? Or am I just cold and heartless? I had to go through that. It was more of beating myself up than grieving. And I eventually came to peace knowing that I had already grieved. I had already gone through his death, so I didn't have to do that now. And because of that, this is actually a good thing, because of that, I was able to celebrate the love I had for him and his life. I, I really feel like because I had already gone through that grieving process many years back, that when he died, I was able to handle it well and celebrate and really be thankful for the time I did have with him and be grateful for what he brought into my life and, of course, for bringing me into this life. There's a lot I was grateful for and I still am grateful for with my dad. But I had that visualization that brought me into the grieving and the acceptance and it really felt like it prepared me for when it really happened. I'm not giving you this advice. I'm not saying that you should do this. It's a hard process. It's probably not even recommended that you do this. I don't know. Maybe it is. But I did it and it worked. And it's hard because it's like going to the hospital and getting an operation with your loved ones and then signing the paper that says you could die. That's a hard paper to sign. And the next paper might be who's your next of kin and do you have a will and all of this paperwork that you might have to sign that really outlines what to do in the, in the case of your death. And it makes you face reality. It makes you face that the death is real. That you have to go through this, if not in yourself, with someone else. How we handle it is going to affect our quality of life from that point on. And again, I'm not saying that you should do what I did. If you want, 
you can, you can try it out. It helped me. I mean, it probably changed my life altogether because I was able to grieve beforehand and then handle it well when it happened. And uh, some people may not like this idea. I'm not saying it's a good idea, but it helped me. And uh, one of the things that helped me with, and this is probably the bigger benefit, is that when I told my mom, who was married to him for a number of years and has been divorced from him for a lot more years than she was married to him and hadn't seen him for a long time, I told her, you know, my dad died. And she said, what? He, he died? And I said, yeah. And I, when I told her, I, I felt okay. I didn't think she was going to be that affected because they had, they'd been divorced for so long. And she'd been married to somebody else that she didn't like, my stepfather. But um, she never talked to my dad. She never talked about my dad. She never thought about my dad. So I told her, you know, my dad died, her ex-husband. And she was silent for a moment. And then when she talked, she couldn't get her words out through her tears. She was really, really affected, and I did not expect that. And maybe it was dumb of me for not expecting that because they were married, they had a connection, and I just didn't think about it. I just didn't think she thought about him that way or she had any affinity for him at all. But apparently she did, and she held on to it. They had a connection for a number of years. They created three kids. I'm one of them, and to have this person leave your life, it must have been a shock to her. So... I feel like I was prepared, even though I probably approached it wrong. Like, I didn't approach it carefully. Like, hey, I have some news for you. You're not going to like it. I just said, hey, you know, uh, my dad died. And it came as a shock to her. I didn't soften the blow at all. When I said it, she started to cry and she couldn't handle it. She's just like, what? I, I don't know how to handle this. And she was really having a hard time with it. And I'm really grateful that I already went through the grieving so that I could be a support system for her in that moment. And I know there are benefits of grieving together. There definitely are. I'm not knocking that at all. But I think the way this turned out, where my mom was feeling the shock and sadness and where I was inside of me, I think really helped. Because I was there for her, I listened to her, and I gave her that safe space to uh, shed her tears and express her grief, and it felt good to be there for her, even though I was sad for her now, because now she's sad, and I didn't know it would affect her that much, but I felt more prepared in that sense. So I looked to my past and realized, okay, that process I went through was beneficial in so many ways. It's not something I would say you should do or you need to do. But I look at today and we're in the middle of a pandemic and people are dying. And uh, there are people that I know, uh, my girlfriend and I know, that are very close to us that have just died. And what do we do about this? I mean, how do we handle this? And especially, and this is kind of the subject of today's show, especially when there's no closure. When somebody dies and we haven't reached closure. I think that's hard. If you didn't get a chance to connect with somebody before they died, especially if you're not even allowed to connect with them because you're not allowed in their room or in the hospital or wherever they are and you can't reach them and then they pass on, what do you do with this unfinished feeling, this leftover that's inside of you that you just want to reconnect and you want to say all the things that you want to say and you can't they're gone that's very hard and I know some people are hearing this right now and probably feeling some pain I get that my step uncle died my stepfather's brother died and I never got to know him as an adult and I just never thought about him my stepfather has a lot of brothers and I never thought of my step uncles as like true connection to family. They were just my stepfather's brothers. But when this particular step-uncle died, he left all of his brother's kids an inheritance. And so I got part of an inheritance from someone I never thought about. And that really helped. It was shortly after my wife and I had no jobs and we were going to the soup kitchen 
uh, we received this money out of nowhere and it was like, whoa, this is very helpful. It is one of the things that really helped us get out of the hole. And I was so grateful to receive money out of nowhere from someone that I never thought about, that I never considered connecting with. And he thought of me. He thought of his brother's kids because he didn't have kids. So he wanted to leave his estate and his money to all of his brother's kids. And I got this letter in the mail and I'm thinking, is this real? I barely knew this guy. I mean, when I was younger, I really liked him. He was a great guy. But when I grew older, I never thought once about him. And then to find out that he died and left me this money, talk about not having closure. How do you thank someone that's not there anymore? How do you reconcile it in yourself that you never reached out? I mean, all the feelings of regret that come up and wishing that you could have done something else and maybe you should have done something else. And how often does that happen in our lives? And I'm not saying there's an easy answer to all of this. I mean, I do have a process that you may have heard me talk about before if you've been listening a while, but if you haven't, it's, I think, an important process because anytime you have a leftover feeling that there's something else, this lack of closure that is inside of you, that you can't get past, that you wish you had reconnected, that you wish you had made your peace or said something that you wanted to say, it stays, it lingers, and it doesn't feel like it'll ever go away. And so I don't like that feeling. I don't know about you, but I want that feeling to go away. Not that we can just push it out, and I'm not saying that's that's what we do. I'm saying that we need to do something with it. We need to take this pressure or this energy inside of us and do something with it. Something meaningful, something that can actually make us whole again because we don't feel ourselves. When someone dies in our life and we don't have closure regarding their death because we didn't connect or we were upset at each other and then they died and we never got a chance to make peace, whatever it is, we don't we don't want this feeling of lack of closure because it's probably regret and guilt and maybe some other feelings that we don't want to feel. And I'll tell you this, there's no reason to carry that with you. There's no reason to carry any of that with you. I mean, in most cases, we can't prevent death. We can't stop it from happening. And sometimes there are things that are just lined up that create it. Sometimes it just happens. And sometimes we feel responsible for it. And sometimes we don't need to. And even if we do feel responsible for it, we still have to get past it so that we can live the best life we possibly can. Because my perspective on death is that when someone dies, they want us to live. I would think that if someone had some sort of afterlife or reincarnation or whatever it is, they would want us to live. I would think that the person dying would want us to live and be happy. And if there's any chance they didn't want that before they died... If there's an afterlife, they probably want it now because maybe they left their ego behind. <laughs> I won't get into the uh, spiritual aspect of that, but there's a lot of different beliefs there. And uh, some people don't believe in any of that. Some people believe we just wink out and maybe we do. Who knows? But I look at it this way. If you are carrying around the residue of someone's death inside of you, then we need to address it. And uh, when we come back, I want to do that. I want to help you address it. So um, I'm not saying I have the answer. I'm just saying I have a path that might help you. And I hope it does. So when we come back, we'll talk about that right after this. I remember dropping a flower pot on my toe once, my big toe, and that was so painful. I don't even know how I didn't scream, but I dropped the flower pot. It landed straight on my big toe, and I thought, okay, this is going to hurt because the pain didn't happen immediately, but right after, the pain came, and um, about six months later, the pain went away. <laughs> So I had this pain 
for six months and it hurt no matter what I did, no matter what shoes I wore, I, I just had to walk around bare feet most of the time. But stubbing it, hitting it, touching it, it was a very difficult time. I just recall that because uh, today's sponsor, Curable, has an app that helps you deal with chronic pain. And I'm not saying that my big toe pain was chronic. It certainly was for six months. But I think if I had the Curable app, it would have given me some direction and guidance through and out of the pain. And I want to tell you about this app because it's really cool how it works. They have a free and a paid version, but I highly recommend you try out the free version and see how it works because they set it up like a text program almost when they're walking you through it. And it just asks you questions and it guides you in response to your answers. And by doing this, you can help expand your world again, expand yourself through the physical and the mental and the emotional stuff that you go through when you're in any type of chronic pain. And if you're in chronic pain, you can understand what I'm talking about because it is all-encompassing. It's all you think about. For six months, that's all I thought about was that toe. And every decision, everything I did centered around the toe. <laughs> I mean, that's not the only pain I experienced. I talked about this last time. I had sciatic nerve pain for 15 years. I mean, there are times when pain just doesn't go away and you don't have the answers and you can't figure out how to get rid of the pain and maybe you're on so many medications just to keep the pain at bay i think this is a great idea we always have our phones with us anyway and so um it's worth checking out i want you to go to curable.com that's c-u-r-a-b-l-e.com forward slash brain set up your free account and when you get started with the free version you can decide to upgrade to a subscription if you want and if you do you get 50 percent off the subscription so it's worth checking out and seeing how it works and seeing if it helps. I haven't seen this program anywhere, anything like it. It was developed by former pain sufferers, also physicians and pain experts, and it's designed to use science-based techniques to help you overcome things like fear of movement, fear of symptoms, and fear of never getting better. These are real fears that people with chronic pain deal with, and if you're dealing with it, I want you to check this out. Go to curable.com forward slash brain sign up and check it out and if you decide to upgrade to the subscription you'll get 50 percent off curable.com forward slash brain check it out today all right welcome back i was telling you about my my step uncle who left that inheritance and how i had to deal with some feelings on that because i never got a chance to talk to him and i never pursued a conversation or connection with him my entire life. You know, I knew him from childhood, but when he died and he left money to someone that never called him once, I had to deal with some, I don't know, it might have been guilt, but there were feelings. And one of the processes I like to use when it comes to not having closure around someone's passing is to actually visualize that you are speaking with them now. Some people might think this is a little far-fetched or a little woo-woo, but here's why this can work and can work powerfully is because your brain processes it in a way that helps you heal. And you can do this with people that are alive right now. But what I mean is you visualize someone in front of you. You know, you close your eyes and you imagine they're there. And then you either tell them what you wanted to say or just talk to them like normal, like how you doing, <laughs> or even ask them questions or even be angry with them or whatever is left over inside of you is what you want to express. And I believe I did this with my step uncle. I, I forget, but I do believe I pictured him in front of me and I remember what he looked like, at least as a kid. And I just said, hey, I am so grateful for this and I feel so guilty that you did this and I never once contacted you. And I can picture him in my head right now as I do that. I'm just standing in front of him and he's right there looking at me and he's giving me the biggest smile. I mean, right now he's giving me the biggest smile. 
what this does, if you go through with this, if somebody has passed in your life and you don't have closure, this is one way to help you get to it. Yes, I know. It's not real. It's not like you're really talking to them. Or maybe, you know, who knows? Some people believe it is. I'm not here to say that it is or isn't. I'm here to say that how your brain processes it is the most important. Because my bigger picture is the dead want us to live. It's probably not a great way to say it, but they want us to live. They want us to be happy. They want us to continue on and live the best life we can. I use that as a philosophy. So when someone passes on, I make the best of the time that I have left. My process is to picture the person who has passed and talk with them. Like I had a client once that uh, when she was a very young girl, her, her brother committed suicide. And I don't know if she found his body or she saw it happen, but she was still traumatized from that event, I don't know, 30, 40 years later, still traumatized by it. And during one of our calls, I asked her, have you ever spoken to him since that day? And um, I don't recall her answer, but when I ask many clients this question, they're either confused or they say, oh yeah, yeah, I speak to him all the time. And they know what I mean. I think you know what I mean. I ask, have you spoken to them since then? If the answer is no, and you still don't have closure, I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea to speak to the person that you don't have closure with, and they don't have to have passed on yet. You can do this while they're alive. Because it doesn't really matter whether you believe you're speaking to them or not. When you visualize it, you're going to have a real experience. It's going to affect the way you think about them. It's going to affect your emotions. You're going to have a connection with it that is deep and probably profound. Now, I know some people are listening now and they're saying, yeah, I speak to this person all the time. I speak to them all the time and I still don't have closure. So here's the important part. When it comes to closure, you have to say what's on your mind even if it sounds like you're selfish or upset or you're calling them out or you're angry at them for dying, no matter what you're thinking or feeling, it has to come out. Because you have to think about these thoughts and feelings that you have as pressure inside your body. And as long as you don't express them, the pressure stays. And you know the pressure I'm talking about. It's that unfinished feeling. It's that thing you never said that you wish you'd said. Or it's the upset that you never got to convey and now they're gone. And it can be upset that you had before they left or it could be upset because they left, because they passed on. I've known people that were angry that someone died on them. Whether that sounds right or wrong doesn't matter. If your brain says, I can't say that to this person, it wasn't their fault that they died. If you have a thought like that, but you're still upset that they died, or you're angry with them that they died, you need to express it. And what that might look like or sound like is, I'm really angry that you left me. I'm really angry that you did that. I'm angry at you. I can't believe you did this to me. You did this to us. How could you do this? This isn't blaming the person. It's getting it out of you. It's pulling it out. You know, if we can come to an agreement that the ego dies along with the body, then you're going to get a response from this image that you see in your head that isn't tied to old upsets or hurt or old unfinished conversations or arguments. It's not tied to that at all. When you talk to the person who has passed, you're going to create a conversation that leads to healing. And what this means is you're going to hear the responses, you're going to see their facial expressions, you're going to, you know, if you're visualizing it that way, uh, you're going to have an experience. But you have to play full on. You can't just stop and say, well, I, I can't say that to them. But if you feel it, you say it to them. Because these are the things that you need to say 
to get them out of your system. Not them, the person. Get the thoughts and the feelings out of your system. They need to be expressed. They're not going to say, well, you're wrong and too bad. They're not going to do it. <laughs> and if they do, you can have a conversation about it. But most of the time, I've not heard that. I've heard other things. Because the mind processes this in a way that's healing. And if you have no spiritual bone in your body, you're a complete atheist, and you don't believe any of this afterlife stuff at all, it's still a brain thing. It's still a mind thing. It's still a process that you go through. And everyone has an imagination. Just imagine it happening. Just imagine they're standing right there in front of you or sitting, and you're outside or inside, wherever it is, and have the conversation with them and see where it goes. This is what I had to do with my dad. This is what I had to do with my step-uncle. And this is what I know I'll have to do with other people in my life. Hopefully no one else will pass before I have a chance to talk with them, but I'm sure it's going to happen. It does happen. I mean, this is what happens in life. But we can't go through life holding on to old regrets and old pain because that's not living at least not living in a way that we know the people that love us want to live. So this is kind of a deeper episode today about how to heal from some old wounds or new ones that have developed because people have passed and we don't have closure because of that. And I really want this to work for you if you are holding on to anything. I really want you to even pretend. I mean, if you can't go along with this at all, just pretend. Just say, you know what, I'm going to do it because Paul told me to do it, but I don't believe any of this crap. I'm just going to do it anyway. I have a feeling most people that listen to this show probably won't say that, but I know there are some people that will. You know, this is the show for critical thinkers. <laughs> I believe that everyone should question everything, but you can't question it until you try it. You can't say, well, that's not going to work. I'm going to question that and I'm not going to try it. Well, you really don't know if it works or not, so you got to try it, and then you can question it later. So this is why I like to try things on and see what works. This can and does work. It's worked for many people that I've worked with. And the woman that I talked with whose brother killed himself healed after decades of this traumatic memory. She healed because I asked her to talk to her brother. And I asked her to say whatever is on her mind. And she did. And she had never felt better about that situation. And of course, the sadness might still be there. You might still miss the person, but we need to resolve the lack of closure. We need to get to that point so that we can get to the emotions that might be underneath, that might be stuck. And sometimes we have that sadness that's stuck and we can't actually feel it. And we need to. We need to feel the sadness. We need to feel the grieving. We need to allow it to come up and out of us. It doesn't mean it goes away forever because every time you think of that person, there's going to be a missing part of your life. But you can get past this. You can move forward. And my belief is that the people that love us want us to be happy, whether they're here or not. And the best gift we can give them is to live our lives to the fullest. And this is the gift that we give those who have passed and the gift we give ourselves because I believe they want us to gift ourselves. So again, a little bit spiritual, a little bit deep, I don't mean to take you there if you're not ready to go there or if you don't really believe any of that stuff. But I do know that the process that I am suggesting here can have a, a profound effect if you're willing to give it a shot. I hope this helps. I hope you stay safe and I hope everyone you love stays safe. And I wish you the best through these tough times. It is, it's very tough nowadays because we don't know what's going to happen. Everything is kind of on a teetering edge. So don't be afraid to feel it. Don't be afraid to express it. Don't be afraid to connect with people inside your mind and outside in a way that you feel safe and they feel safe so that maybe you can reach some closure today. Thanks for tuning in today. We'll be right back with my thank yous and my final words right after this.
Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to remind you to head over to our sponsor, curable.com forward slash brain, and download the app that will help you with your chronic pain. Curable, C-U-R-A-B-L-E dot com forward slash brain. And I want to thank the patrons of the week. These are the monthly supporters of the show that uh, value the show, so they give back. And I am so grateful for someone who just joined. I'm afraid to say her name because it's going to activate all the smart speakers in homes around the world. (laughs) Alexa just joined. Oh, my Alexa just went off. (laughs) How can I do this? I am so sorry that... I don't know if you heard that, but uh, my Echo device went off and this person who just joined, Alexa, she went off again. She's on again. Um, Thank you for joining and I'm sorry that you have to deal with this as well. I know that people named A-L-E-X-A have a challenge now because it's a very popular smart speaker and I am grateful for you and I promise I will never make fun of your name And I really feel sorry for people named this who have to contend with these devices now. But I am so grateful for you joining, Alexa. Thank you again. I appreciate you. And John just joined two months ago. There's no smart speakers named after him. And (laughs) so you're lucky, John. And I am lucky that you joined. Thank you for your support. Actually, John was a former supporter and he stopped and then he started again. So I forgot about that. John, thank you for rejoining. I appreciate you. I am so grateful Thanks again. And Ron has been giving for over two years. Ron, I am so grateful for you. Thank you. Brian at the two-year mark. Good to have you on board, Brian. Thank you for being a patron. And Anna, I've lost count. How many years have you been giving? Your monthly support is what keeps this show going. I am so grateful for all of you, anyone that supports this show. And if you find value in this show, you can head over to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com and uh, give back if you'd like. And of course, at that site, I also give back again to you with extra episodes and workbooks and all kinds of stuff in the patron program that you can check out, patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And I have a couple or three special mentions for people who donated to the show. There's uh, someone who donated a couple months ago. Her name was Sharon. I don't remember if I thanked you, Sharon, but I am so grateful. Thank you. I mean, When someone actually donates, makes a one-time donation, the donation button on my website or at the patron site, you have an opportunity to make a comment. And some people don't leave comments. They just leave donations. And that always surprises me and it always humbles me because it's just a very generous thing to do. So thank you, Sharon. You didn't make a comment, but I am making a comment about you. I appreciate you. Thank you for your donation. And I also want to thank Dean, another generous donation, Uh, who did make a comment. He said that the episode that I made on narcissism being the driver for needing closure changed my life. Dean, I'm so glad your life has changed. I'm so glad you find value in this show. And I appreciate you thanking me this way. And I always love to thank our financial supporters publicly because I really want you to hear the gratitude in my voice. I really am grateful. Thank you, Dean. Thank you, Sharon. And I left Scott for last. Scott, gave probably one of the biggest donations to the show recently. It shocked me. It was surprising. Uh, And I am grateful for you, Scott. And you didn't leave a comment. I have a feeling that you just appreciated what I'm doing here and uh, what I'm teaching or what I'm sharing. And whatever you're thinking, believe me, I, I saw this and I was, I almost felt undeserving. I mean, that's weird because I teach worth on this show. I should feel worthy. But, you know, something like this happens and you just feel like, wow, I I can't believe someone appreciates this so much or has gotten that much value from it. I don't know. But I just want to give you a special thank you, Scott. Thank you so much. And I am truly grateful for your generosity. Thank you, Scott, Sharon, Dean, and all the patrons. I appreciate all of you. So thank you again. And I want to remind you of the Love and Abuse podcast. That's my other show. If you like what I teach over here, I bring some of these teachings over that show. But it is based on difficult relationships with friends, family, coworkers, and especially romantic partners. If you are having any type of difficulty communicating or you leave a lot of conversations with your loved one feeling guilty or to blame or responsible and you just can't seem to communicate your point then love and abuse might be 
a path for you. You can find that at loveandabuse.com. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. You know, I just had a thought. I wonder how many people like shut this off <laughs> during the thank yous uh, where they don't realize there's actually a little bit more after the thank yous. I wonder if there's just people that just, oh, here's the thank yous. Okay, it, that's the credits of the show. I'm going to shut this podcast off. We don't need to hear this anymore. And if you're not that person, you're still hearing this now. So maybe there are people out there that don't know that the show continues. Like they look at their podcast player or their phone or whatever, and they say, why is this show an hour long when all the credits start or the thank yous start at 45 minutes? Hmm. You must just thank people for 15 minutes or something. That's not what I do. <laughs> I like to give public thanks. I love to make sure that you know that I am grateful for you, even if I didn't mention your name. If you're a patron, I will mention your name someday. It always shows me who's a supporter and stuff like that through my email. And uh, if you don't hear your name, I'm still grateful for you for listening. Here you are. You're still listening. I know you are because you wouldn't know I said that. <laughs> so here you are still listening. I appreciate you. And of course, listeners make the show popular. They keep the show ranked and having it rank higher in podcast players and Apple Podcasts and Spotify and iHeart, all these places that put it on that stream the show allows other people to find it too. So the more listeners there are, the higher ranks and the more other people will find it. So you are all contributing and I appreciate you all. Now I'm going to get from the thank yous to something that I started to talk about with uh, Scott's donation, which is, you know, he didn't comment on why he donated, but uh, I'm going to guess that it is because of the content I put out. And I've learned, and this is something I learned probably about 10 years ago. I remember thinking about this when the Google search engine came out. Everyone knows Google. When the Google search engine came out, I thought, wow, what a great tool that Google is giving away for free. And I thought that's such an amazing business model because how do you make money when you give something away for free? How do you stay in business? And I know there are ways, you know, Google sells ads and they are in partnerships with other businesses and they are now one of the wealthiest tech companies in the world. But I always go back to their humble beginnings when they just had that simple little field that you could type anything in and find something in a search engine. There's a lot of search engines right now, but Google is probably the most popular. Uh, Edge is probably close behind. But when I look at how Google began, they started off and they still are a free tool. When they first came out, I thought that is a great business model to give stuff away. And I realized that the more you give, the more you get. That sounds counterintuitive. And we've probably all heard that quote, or most of us have heard this quote. You will get all you want in your life if you help enough other people get what they want. If you haven't heard that, I really like that quote because I do believe in that. And Google is a great example. And I'm not trying to praise Google. They're not paying me to say this. I'm just saying that Google came out and said, hey, here's a free tool. And it's going to help you find stuff on the Internet. Feel free to use it forever. You know, this is what they've done. And so I did. And it was simple. I didn't have to do anything. I just typed in what I wanted. And I found what I wanted. And suddenly I felt an affinity toward Google. At that time, I felt like, wow, this company is great. They just gave me a free tool. And so I really, really like that model. I really like that business model that they use. And that's something I've tried to adopt in my business, you know, the Overwhelmed Brain is a podcast, it's a blog, it's coaching when I was doing coaching, and it's products and services. It has a lot of tendrils out there in the world. It's a social media, it's an Instagram, it's all these things that are attached to the Overwhelmed Brain entity. But I want to keep my business model 95% free. I create two or three shows a week sometimes and work multiple days to create these episodes and the content that you hear in a way that reminds me of Google where it just put it out there as a tool and if you can use it and you want to use it, feel free. That's what I do here. I just put out this content and I want you to use the tools that I'm talking about. I don't want you to plagiarize me. 
<laughs> I don't want that at all. I just want you to use these tools. I want you to benefit from them. And if you hear something that I say or read something on my blog or social media, you're connecting with me there, and you're able to change your life in some way, that just thrills me to no end. That's what I want. That's what I want the overwhelmed brain to do for you, is to help you in a way that changes your life. I want you to have a better life. I want you to create the life you want. And I get a lot of emails that say, this has helped me a lot. And these emails, and of course, these donations and the patron memberships, they keep me going. They keep me jazzed up. I feel like I'm getting back not only what I put out there, but more because of the feeling that I get from giving. And that's kind of my point at the, at the end of the show is the giving part is what's fulfilling. The getting part is fulfilling, but if all you did was get, I think you'd be a little bit unfulfilled because it's hard to beat the expression on someone's face when you give them what they're looking for or you give them an answer to something or you give them something they need. It's so hard to beat that look of gratitude or shock that when you give something to someone and they need it so bad, that they are just in awe, I mean, not of me, but just in awe that they were able to get something that you could provide to them. And I'm not saying I do that. I'm saying that I, I provide tools and I hope it helps, but there are people out there that give in ways that will put the awe in someone's face and change their life. This could be you. You could be doing this right now. I just read a story of a, a woman and her daughter, her young daughter, who found a scratch-off ticket on the ground and they won. They won like a hundred bucks and they were in desperate times and that woman said, wow, this money is really going to help us. And the little girl said, well, mommy, what if we give it to that police officer who really helped us a couple years ago? He hurt his leg or something. I, I forget the whole story. I might be saying this wrong, but it was something like that. And the mom said, that's a really good idea. And I thought, talk about heartwarming. This is so touching. So the rest of the article is her giving that money to a police officer that hurt his leg or was in the hospital. And she tried to stay anonymous. But I think the police chief or somebody tracked her down and tried to figure out who she was. And they wanted to thank her. And, they, and then they found out that she was in this dire situation where she needed the money and she gave it to someone else. And they felt so grateful for her contribution to his medical bills and for anything that she could have done. So they did a GoFundMe and they raised like $170,000. It was just some massive amount. And they were able to help her through this difficult time that she was in. Her and her, I think she was a single mom, her and her daughter. And I think she was just blown away by that. And I'm blown away by that story. And it just reminds me, and I'm hoping it reminds all of us that giving can be so fulfilling. Not that this is something I'm telling you to do. I'm, I'm not saying that if you give a dime, you'll get a quarter back. Uh, maybe you'll get nothing but a smile. That to me is powerful. That to me is a life lesson that I'm going to keep forever. She was down and out and she decided to give and when they found out her story, they changed her life. I know they just changed her life. That GoFundMe, I, it might still be on. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, she got a lot of money out of it. And that helped her because, you know, money is runs the world right now. We, we kind of need it. And there's a lot of people that don't have it. And I know there's a lot of people saying, now there's no way I could give that away. And that doesn't mean you're a bad person. That just means you need it. Nothing wrong with that either. There's nothing wrong with getting something you need and using it for what you need. So I don't want to make you feel bad if you uh, were in the same situation and you wouldn't do the same thing. A lot of us wouldn't. A lot of us wouldn't do the same thing. Hey, I need the money. There it is. Great. I'm just saying that there are times where maybe we might want to think a little differently and maybe we have an opportunity to change someone else's life, even if it's in a tiny way. Changing someone's life is invaluable. You can't put a price on that. It's just something that there's no way to put a value on. So I want to tell you that story and I wanted to share my thoughts on giving and 
perhaps give you the philosophy behind what I do in the world, in my blog, in my podcasts. Uh, yes, I have paid products, and that is a way to also sustain what I do and to continue doing what I'm doing because I want to continue. I want to see you learn, heal, grow, and evolve into the person that you want to be so that you aren't stuck in toxic situations and you have the ability to get out of toxic situations or avoid them altogether and create the life you want. And if you are having trouble doing that, continue listening to this show and keep an open mind because this is how you step into your power. And I want you to be firm in your decisions and actions so you can create that life, you know, the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure and above all. And this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing. Amazing.